0: Do you love God but struggle to fit in? Do you have questions that never seem to get answered? Do you just wanna have honest conversations about things that matter? Well, let's slow down and take the time to do just that. Welcome to Jesus Never Ran. Hey everyone, welcome to Jesus Never Ran. Today we are continuing our conversation about the church, and I'm super excited and honored to have my good friend, pastor, author, advocate, Kathy Escobar on the show.
1: You don't have to believe certain things to be part and that still is disorienting because we came from systems where it's like you'll have to ascribe to this.
0: Before we jump in, I always want to mention how excited I am to have our sponsors on the show, Rise Nutrition, such a spectacular organization. I've heard a lot of people maybe jokingly talk about during the coronavirus pandemic how much weight they've gained. Well, if you need some help, some coaching, some people by your side to help you get that weight off, to help you get healthy again check out Rise Nutrition. I'm a huge believer that the way that we treat our bodies is directly correlated to our belief and our belief system in God and so this is a really important thing to take seriously and if you want some people by your side check out Angie Niska and Rise Nutrition by going to Facebook. You can find them at Rise Menominee and that's Rise with a Z and they'll be happy to help you out today. After seeing everybody's response to the first episode in this little series on church, I can tell that this is something that you're excited to talk about, and I am too. So this is awesome, and I'm so happy to have Kathy on the show today. One thing that I've noticed churches, the organized church I should say, doing is a lot of repurposing of the same thing. Making the same thing look differently by changing the music, changing the way things look, changing the way the pastor dresses, whatever it is. Over the last couple of decades, I've seen a ton of that. And that is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about repurposing the same thing over and over and over again. That's not really helpful. We are interested in having a conversation about changing the entire mindset of the way we look at church. And that is why we are talking to Kathy Escobar today. Now, if you want to hear Kathy's story, she was actually on the podcast in season one And her episode was called Give It a Decade. So if you want to hear more about her story of how she got to where she is, make sure you check out that podcast. Now, because I'm not interested in discovering the new way that church should look... We're not going to talk nuts and bolts of what a church service should look like or what an organization should look like. We're going to hear from the hearts of some people who desperately care about church, about church community and faith community. And through that, I think we'll get a glimpse or a better understanding of maybe what the hope is moving forward. Kathy just wrote a book that she released about a month ago called Practicing. And in the book are really all of her thoughts of how we can practice our faith. And so as we talk today, you're going to hear a lot about this book because this book Practicing is really the way that her church community, her community in Denver, which is called The Refuge, this is really the way that her community operates so I asked Kathy Escobar to tell us just a little bit about her project practicing
1: so practicing for me is like a labor of love there's something about it I like get brought all the things that I believe about the kingdom of God and recovery and healing and justice and mercy and love and humanity together in one place. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, it was one of those things like I didn't set to go, oh, I'm going to go write this. It kind of came through facilitating a retreat for a church and it was called Faith is a Verb. And I just integrated a bunch of things that we had done at the Refuge over the years that have been helpful to our community in terms of listening and loving and advocating and including and celebrating some of the things that were there that ended up in the book. And as I was facilitating, I could feel it come together. And that there was a desire really on part of the participants to have something that. Was integrated and not just a bunch of random ideas here and there, but sort of into this big stream. And that faith is a verb and it's meant to be practiced. And so uh, when I came back from that, I kind of it, it, it stirred up in me. So I talked to my agent and said, I have this idea. She wrote me back and said, This sounds awesome. Pull something together. And as I started to write it and think through you know you think through first the framework it's like it just flowed and the project came together really fast also because 2020 is a year that uh before the pandemic that we knew there's this desire for healing for listening for um unity and for practices that help heal the world really
0: if Our churches only stood for that if the organization of our church community stood for being a place that heals the world that would be enough wouldn't it wouldn't that be incredible but i'm not so sure that we have seen the realization of that in our modern rendition of church
1: Yeah, so practicing. I mean, I've been using the word and the hashtag practicing for a long years and years. And the idea is that nothing's masterable, but everything's possible. And that we're going to stumble and bumble. And the way that we make it is by showing up and doing hard things and getting out of our heads. You know, basically the church, and when I say the church, I'm just talking about the big body. It's manifested in all kinds of different ways, but sort of the institution loves head. It loves the head. And then it likes to talk about the heart, but truth is it loves the head. And so, and it really minimizes hands and feet and soul. I'm talking about like soul, like where you live from your passion and making things tangible. For me, the idea of practice is just that, it's engaging, and that we actually like to critique other people's practices. <laughs> That's what we're also good at, and so uh, the, I, the subtitle on this is changing yourself to change the world. We really got to be careful about pointing the finger about who needs to change and really focus on our own transformation and the work that we know we need to do or convicted to do, challenged to do, prompted to do, stirred to do. Then that does change the world. There is a ripple effect. And so the idea of uh, practicing is that we need help with that. And so we wanted actually to drop out of the sky and be easy. And none of it is. And so the ways of Jesus are not easy. And everyone wants them to be. And that's why we like it. Practicing is organized in a really clear way. There are 10 practices. I'll just walk through them so you kind of have an idea what's in there. Starts with healing. And then listening, loving, including, equalizing, advocating, mourning, failing, resting, and celebrating. (laughs) you <laughs> And so it doesn't mean there aren't other practices, but if you really start thinking about a lot of things fall into those 10 categories. But they're all, I would say they're all equal in their value and they're not necessarily in order. They're kind of tied all together. But one thing uh, is true. I did start with healing for a reason. Healing is really looking at our own personal stuff, you know, and how what's going on inside and what's going on in relationship. And I feel like that is a course thing that then is manifested in all the other ones and so it's also the one that everyone wants to skip over and you just want to go to listening you want to go to like doing it you know and I think that this is part of the problem is that we don't want to stop and do that hard slow lifetime work of healing and recovery and transformation inside we actually want to get to the doing so fast and that's a piece of the problem
0: Kathy couldn't have hit it more on the head when I'm thinking about myself. That idea of going through a healing process is something I fight tooth and nail. I can't stand it. I just want to get to the next thing. I just want to keep going. And what I've discovered about myself is if I do keep moving forward without healing those spaces that need that attention, anything that I set my mind or heart to in the future is going to be stifled because of the work I refuse to do behind. And when you go to the refuge, it is a place of healing and there's no way that you can miss it. At the refuge and in Kathy's personal life, she talks to a lot of people going through the healing process. And one thing I've heard Kathy speak a lot about, and she writes about it in the book Practicing as well, is the idea of a corrective experience. So many of us have so much hurt, and a lot of us have hurt that's directly related to church. Kathy's experience as a pastor and her community works to become a corrective experience for people experiencing hurt.
1: Corrective experiences are one of, it's one of my favorite things. It came from a blog that I wrote a long time ago. I mean, I don't even remember the year. But a corrective experience is, you know, it's a therapeutic term. I'm not a therapist, even though I do a lot of pastoral care kinds of things. That's sort of my stream. Um, in I'm using the layman's term here, okay? And so for me, it is when you have a new experience, that somehow repairs an old wound. It's unexpected because, because of our stories, because of our wounds, when we enter into a certain thing, we sort of expect it not to be or to be a certain way. And then you get totally different thing and it heals something deep inside of us. I experience this a lot with the LGBT community because I personally come from a very inclusive, progressive framework and a corrective experience is something that I can offer to my friends as a mom and as a person in leadership as a pastor when they come out to welcome. And to love and to honor. And a lot of my friends, when they came out, a Bible was placed on the table and it harmed them. And they're broken from family members that they're desperately wanting to be in relationship with. So I can't take care of that wound completely. It's just because I offer that doesn't take care of it. But it is a healing that happens for people. And, you know, that's a one example. There are so many. Like I have a dad who was a lifelong alcoholic. He was a dear, amazing guy. He loved me. I'm his only child. And he was really good to me, but he could not be present for me in the way that I personally needed in my life. And um, you know, many years ago now, 16 years ago, I met my friend Mike. In recovery and I was on a big church staff and um, he was part of the ministry and we became friends and over these many years he has really been a corrective experience for me in terms of a father figure who I know I can a hundred percent count on so I don't have that same thing of being abandoned I have this corrective experience that helps seal and heal and cement something that helps strengthen me. Do I still wish my dad was a certain way when he was on this earth? Yeah, I do. But it's really shifted because I've had this tangible thing that changed everything. Huge thing is, and a huge piece that we're really dedicated to uh, not only the refuge, and you know, the book before this that I wrote was called Facia Finding Your Way Forward when everything you believe is coming apart. And so, I work with a lot of people who something has happened inside and they've deconstructed some things that just make it not possible to stay in the same systems. And you know, when you lose beliefs, you lose the structures that support those beliefs. And then you lose relationships that were part of the structures and then underneath you lose your identity. And so, so many people that I connect with really relate to that and have lost identity because so much was about being anchored in a certain system. And so, you know, to corrective experiences, I think one of the core things is, is for people to experience freedom. You don't have to believe certain things to be part. And that still is disorienting because we came from systems where it's like you'll have to ascribe to this. So at the Refuge, the way that manifests itself is that we gather around shared values and not shared beliefs so we are christian community and mission center christian stuff is in our roots but there is a wide range of ways to express that not everybody would call themselves christian and some definitely do not want to identify anymore with that you know we have a kind of i have a blog post about this too it's like people ask me are you christian i say um well it depends on what you mean by that and i think that uh there's just it's hard we've gotten all lumped together In a really hard thing. And so a corrective experience is one, just freedom that that you really could just say yes or no. Like you don't have to do certain things to be part. And it's disorienting for people, I will say. And so that's the thing about a corrective experience is a lot of times it's like, is this real? Is this real? Like, can I really trust it? And I understand why. And I always tell people, don't trust us. Do not trust us. In fact, that's part of the problem is you trusted too much, too soon, too easy, too fast, just because. I always just say, trust a long story and listen. Giving people agency and honoring people's agency, which is kind of your own choices... What, you, what you've what you got going on in your soul is actually a corrective experience because you're not used to it. It's like, wait, tell me what to do, tell me what to believe, tell me what to think. And even though you don't want that anymore, you're used to it. And so I think giving people a lot of freedom is a huge part of healing a corrective experience. And then I think the other part that can be really corrective and healing to people is when you're with a really diverse group of people and everyone's okay you're just okay because you believe all their things you're living all their you know you can like say things out loud and people go oh my gosh i can say that out loud and no one's gonna try and scripturize me fix me give me advice hand me a book drop drop off of something on my doorstep that i should read send me links you know they're just gonna go thanks for sharing and I think that that is a piece for people who are deconstructing and kind of healing out of a fundamentalism or a rigid evangelicalism that doesn't work anymore. They really need to find that place that allows them to do that. I want to say something really quick about it, though, is that um, there's a lot of new wine being poured into old wineskins and this is a piece that's a little bit of a problem because it's like people want something new related to faith but then the structures that they bump up against are just the same structures and so you know i always go back to sometimes we don't have a corrective experience all the way sometimes we actually bump up against it again but we're coming from a new place and the corrective part can be that I choose not to just hook in again. But I listen to that thing and say, no, I just can't do that where people aren't fully included. I can't do that where women's voices aren't valued. I can't do the power thing. I can't do the lay clergy things with such a big divide. I can't do just singing and not hands and feet of Jesus, whatever it is. I mean, I'm just giving a long list. But I think that part is our agency to Try again, and that I do think that there's a lot of options for people. Sometimes a corrective experience is being loved outside of church and not looking for it there.
0: So many incredible things that Kathy just said there. If you need to pause this podcast, rewind that section, and listen to it again, please do. I think I might have to a few times. But I love the part that she said at the end there, that sometimes a corrective experience in discussing church and church hurts and maybe disappointments of the past, that sometimes that involves you being loved outside of church. I think that's so vitally important in so many of our stories to allow ourselves to experience the healing that we need outside the walls of a faith community so that when we do re-engage in a faith community again that we have healing in place so that we can be our true authentic self moving forward mm-hmm i recorded this interview with Kathy well before much of the current unrest in our country began. And she discussed this part of her book, two chapters, including and equalizing, that are vitally important based on where we find ourselves right now in our culture.
1: Including and equalizing are two of the chapters that, I mean, they all, you know, I'm connected to all of them in different ways, but, those two are core and equalizing is the biggest, longest chapter in the book and for a reason. And so including is really about making more room at the table. And just because you make room and, and you know, invite people in does not change everything. It's a start and it's important and voices are missing and we need to listen to other voices. But equalizing is about, recognizing and shifting disparate power. If there's ever another book that I want to work on, it's called All Roads Lead to Power. Everything goes to power. Everything. And we hate talking about it and we hate acknowledging it. And there's a huge power struggle right now. This is what we're experiencing. Talking about worldly power, like it does not want to let go. It doesn't want to. And so the, the, it won't just go, Hey, yeah, we were wrong. You know, it's like, that is not how it works. It's like there's, it's embedded in our history. So in equalizing a huge piece, and I highly recommend reading um, Mark Charles new book because it really does focus on um, the doctrine of discovery. And so this is a long freaking time ago, okay? Hundreds and hundreds of years. And it is basically just take it all, rule them all, subjugate them all, strip them all of their culture out of everything, and take them for your own. And that was embedded in the church. That was a papal bull. So it came from Christianity, and it's all the way to the max, to the nth degree. So to ignore that it's separated somehow and Jesus breaks all that is a, really a bunch of shit. It's just not true. It is entangled in the roots of our history and so and it's so hard because we don't want to believe that i don't want to have to do pay this you know pay the debt for the sins of my ancestors but it's we have to and that doesn't mean dismissing our whiteness and we're so bad because we're white it's honoring and acknowledging and being more honest about the fact that we have benefited from the lie of white supremacy it's a lie something that's really helped me is just owning it and it's hard and so i can't you know and i say this in the chapter i am a white privilege i have a master's degree i'm married you know to a man i have all this straight privileges you know I all of them so I've got a long list of privileges and so I do come at it from that I'm not trying to come from a different place but I feel like one of my responsibilities as a leader is to challenge us as white people to do hard work and it's lifetime work and we're not gonna I screw it up all the time I screwed it up publicly you know all kinds of wacky things that are related to stumbling and bumbling and practicing and trying because it's hard to untangle these roots and to have them be healed but it will only start when we quit being so defensive and start listening and understanding that there is a bad system that we have benefited from and continue to benefit from. Disparate power is the work that we need to focus on and everybody in power does not want to because we will have to be so disrupted. And so in terms of the evangelical church, I mean, this is a huge thing because why are people bombing out in lots of ways? What's happening? It does come from this. It's a blindness to unchecked power. And it's just, it's so embedded in everything that people don't want to look at it. And so, what do you do when you get scared you're going to lose power? You double down and people are doubling down and then that's creating this divide. This has been for many years before um, even some of these conversations about uh, racism were as illuminated as they have been in the last chunk of years, which is such a good thing, is that the Refuge hosts tons of workshops, classes, learning parties, related to gender inequality, race and oppression, LGBT, all those things and I'm just gonna tell you consistently the same thing happens the white men don't come they they don't come here's what unhealthy power does they say we well, figure out how to make them come appeal to them do whatever to them I was like no this is the problem their responsibility is to come. It's not my responsibility to figure out all the ways that I can reach them and the way that they need to be reached so that they're not uncomfortable, so that they feel included, so they, that's the problem. Right there is the problem. It's going to take people who have held power to come on their own because it is the right freaking thing to do and to come humble and to come open And to quit mansplaining and trying to justify and get out of the discomfort and try and like, but, but what about, but what about, but what about? And we've got to stop that and just listen and be humble and calm. And this is that part about power that has got to change. And so a piece of equalizing is listening For understanding, not for defending.
0: The book that Kathy referenced by Mark Charles is called Unsettling Truths. It's actually by Mark Charles and Soong Chan Ra, who I interviewed a few weeks back, talking about racism in our country and in our churches. And I'm telling you, as a person of faith, in the midst of what we're in the midst of in our culture and in our country and our world right now, if there's one book that I would tell you to read to help you have an understanding of how faith and racism and power are so intertwined, Unsettling Truths is the book I would recommend that you read. And this idea of power, this is... I would argue, just like Kathy, this is probably the crux of the issue because once you have power, it's so difficult to give it up. And to have a church like Jesus would love, I think, here on earth, it's going to take a ton of humility and it's going to take a lot of us, probably all of us, giving up some of the power that maybe we've worked so hard to get. Now, I know life is difficult right now and we're going through a lot. So I wanted to make sure that we ended a little bit on a high note because another thing when my wife and I and my family were at the refuge, another thing that they do really well is they celebrate. And the last chapter in practicing is celebration this idea that celebration should be a spiritual practice.
1: Years ago, I wrote a post for my friend Christine Stein's blog, and it was called Parties as a Spiritual Discipline. (laughs) And the truth is, is that, you know, one of the reasons why a lot of people are like rolling their eyes at the spiritual disciplines is they're kind of boring. A lot of them, (laughs) you know, they're like silence and solitude and written out. There's And it's not that they aren't important, I highly value, but what's missing is actually energy and fun. And that is part of the problem, is we have actually made everything that's spiritual serious. Celebrating is actually embedded in every faith tradition, sacred text. It's all over the Bible, if you want to get biblical here. It's there, but we don't do it very good. And this kind of goes to a lot of the core theology of, you know, we're nothing, we're lowly worms, you know, all those things. Oh, you can't feel good. You know, or you can't puff yourself up. And really, people need to celebrate movement in our lives. Celebrating manifests itself in all different ways. So celebrating any small movement in our lives. We tend to like do the graduations or the, you know, big weddings, those kinds of things. But really celebrating any changes in our lives are really worth it. And so we do that a lot at the refuge, you know, just uh, practicing a round of, celeb- what do you want to celebrate tonight? And there are things like I said yes to something that was hard for me. I, you know, tried a sport that I never tried before. I said no and lived with my no. Sobriety birthdays we celebrate a lot. And those are really important markers. I was able to recently celebrate that I went a year without exposing myself to a really toxic situation that I would put myself in. And so I just have my one year. And so normally that wouldn't count, you know, as something. And it would help so much to say it. And everyone was like, good job. And honestly, being in a space that honored that helped me keep doing it. Because I knew that I um, wanted to be able to honor that good movement, that something that was good for my soul. So I think any reason to celebrate is worth it. We do a lot of cakes, a lot of flowers, a lot of reminders. And I think that uh, even right now in the pandemic, it would be so good for people to celebrate the good. In the middle of the heart. It's not to force it and to celebrate movement that um, we were surviving in different ways. And that those kinds of things are worthy of illuminating and bringing out to the surface. Even introverts actually really like to celebrate. They just might not want the big party, you know, a dinner party or something small with their friends. But I think drawing out God's image in people and illuminating it and bringing it out is really needed and people are hungry for it.
0: What if church was a place of healing, a place where we can go to replace hurt with a redemptive experience? What if church was the one place where we celebrate humility over power? What if church was a place where we draw out God's image in one another in order to illuminate it? Special thanks to Kathy Escobar, If you want to learn more about her community, The Refuge, you can go to therefugeonline.org. Also, if you just want to learn more about Kathy, all of her great work, her blog, her books, go to kathyescobar.com. I'll make sure I have direct links to Kathy's books and all of her information in the show notes, as well as a direct link to Mark Charles and Tsung Chan Ra's book, Unsettling Truths. Next week, we continue the conversation with pastor author super awesome guy colby martin you heard from him a little while back when we were talking about the lgbtq community and this time he's going to talk about faith and church and a new way of thinking it's going to be incredible you're not going to want to miss it until next time keep walking